I'll save you, little man. Little man inside the mic. It's a really hard job. To be a, a to microphone be a man. Person. Yeah, to be a microphone man. <laughs> <laughs> the microphone man. Because he's trapped inside a cage and he makes you sound good. <laughs> <laughs> Phantom House. It's the place for podcasts. Welcome to the living room. Please make yourself at home. This week, I spoke with Molly Lewis, who is all the way down here from Seattle. We talked about delegating in your art practice, what you want to make versus what you feel you should be making, and mining your private life for content. You can find their music online at mollylewis.wtf. Let's go! It's best with a question mark at the end. Yeah, we love that. Recording? Definitely. Cool. So you guys are free to start whenever. We're free to move about the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we actually start with you playing a song. Oh, good God. Okay. And then we intro, and then okay, uh, the rest of it. Well, I'll, I'll go for the old standard. Okay, now I'm nervous. Okay. The years are going by so fast it really is bewildering. And we'll be so-called grown-ups and have mortgages and children. Am I close enough to the mic? Yeah. Cool. The, oh, what are the, oh, mortgages and children... Oh no, what are the words? Let me start over. <laughs> I, got, I was like, oh, the microphone's right there. I should be talking to you. Mortgage and children. I hope we all gain worldliness and wisdom and maturity. But I hope most of all that MySpace falls into obscurity. I hope our profiles all go dead, entombed in distant servers. A monument to our youth. Although lacking its observers Your page will be an empty shell When no one is behind it I hope your MySpace stays forever And I hope your children find it How I hope that you forget about your MySpace I hope it slips completely from your mind And I hope it stays up long enough For the next generation to find And I hope that it embarrasses your children Hope their bratty friends will forward it around And I hope that you forget your password So you cannot take it down pictures you took in your bathroom mirror they will not know your favorite band or any of the others who is this paul and storm you reference who's the jonas brothers they'll marvel at how old you are they'll raffle at your outfits your style may pass as vintage in the future though i doubt it how i hope that you forget about your myspace I hope it slips completely from your mind And I hope it stays up long enough for the next generation to find And I hope that it embarrasses your children Hope their bratty friends will forward it around And I hope that you forget your password so you cannot take it down I hope your cynical kids say What the crap, this is great Comments date all the way back to 2008. Oh God! I hope they dig through your pictures and find some we might call, call. 
compromising. I hope seeing their mom in a swimsuit or smoking a hookah isn't too traumatizing. But it will be past their comprehension. They'll ask, did grandpa not give you enough attention? about your MySpace. I hope it slips completely from your mind. And I hope it stays up long enough for the next generation to find. And I hope that it will humble you forever. And I hope your kids don't let you live it down. And I hope that you forget your password so you cannot take it down. They might go through your top eight friends, read your comments at the most. I only wish that they could see the inane bulletins you post. Sure. <laughs> cool. Cool. Can you introduce yourself and what you do? Uh, my name is Molly Lewis. I am a songwriter, ukulelist, podcaster, and overall millennial hyphenate. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when did you start making music and amongst other things? <laughs> um, you mean like in sort of an original music capacity or just in a producing music out of my body sort of way? Both. Okay. Um, well, I've always made music out of my body. It, com- it runs in my family. Um, I started writing music. That was the first song I ever wrote uh, when mm. I was a senior in high school. And it shows at this point, which is kind of why I don't play it anymore, because I have to explain what MySpace was, <laughs> which is kind of an embarrassing spot to be in. Um, but no, I started writing. I actually went to a terrible a poetry slam at Cal State Long Beach, and I went, I could do slam poetry for sure. Uh, and then I tried to write a slam poem about MySpace, and it was terrible. And I went, but I also have this ukulele over here. I wonder if I can mix my terrible poetry with my terrible ukulele playing. And the two came out really nicely together. And so that was 10 years ago now. Yeah. Um, And uh, I picked up ukulele like when I was a freshman in high school because I was in a chain. My parents had noticed a streak of me picking up stringed instruments and not sticking to them. I did like guitar, mandolin, banjo. And then my dad was like, this thing has strings. How about this? And I went, perfect. I'll I'll take (laughs) more. I'll take 12 of them, which is where I am now. Um, but so, yeah, I've been doing this for 10 years, which is a weird thing to think about. It is. It is. And when you said that you were always making music and having sounds come out of your body, and you mean like your family. I was a deeply flatulent child. (laughs) No, um, no, my mom, uh, she's a musician and she, she does, I don't know where the songwriting thing comes from. Nobody in my family does that quite, but she sang at our church. She did, she ran the music program at school. And before that, she was in a touring musical group called The Young Americans. And so she did kind of musical theater stuff. Um, and so all of my friends growing up were, they had musical parents that they, my mom knew through that thing. And so I was just always kind of surrounded by music. Um, but it kind of was, it was always a thing other people did. Um, until I started playing instruments myself and went, oh, it's not just a thing you consume, it's a thing you can produce. Mm-hmm. What about that? Um, and then YouTube opened up and then I realized I could do it for other people. Yeah, was that was yeah. you, was YouTube and like the trend of like making covers on YouTube, like is that what was the the breaking point to like 
start actually picking up the music or picking up an instrument and like writing songs for yourself? Um, well, I and actually, um, Hannah will attest. I'm not really aware of what the rest of YouTube is doing yeah. <laughs> at any moment. Um, but I uh, know what happened was I played a ukulele, a cover song in a talent show and word got out and my friends were like, we want to see it. You should, um, what you should do is you should, you should bring your ukulele to school and play it for us. And like my social anxiety lizard brain was like, no, absolutely not. And I pictured people like coming from hither and yon and gathering around me and watching me play. And I was like, absolutely not. I will have no attention doing this. So I put it on YouTube and then it went viral. Yeah. (laughs) So it bit me in the butt. Um, but yeah, there was a whole sort of scene of of covers and young people doing similar things to what I was doing, and so I kind of got caught up in that in that swell. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like a lot of this has just kind of happened to me by circumstance, mm-hmm. just by like being born in the correct time, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And then you you said your oldest songs are like from like 2012. Two, 2000. That one was 2007. Technically. 2007, technically. Yeah. The last um, one. Yeah. So I was gonna say, like, when I look on your Bandcamp, like the oldest album is like 2009, mm-hmm. and you haven't taken it down. It's still there for all of us to look I at know. and see. Yeah. What it? And like you just played that song for us. <laughs> so there obviously is like a relationship you still have with these songs. It's really just a scarcity thing. Mm-hmm. I. It's. It takes a long time for me to get a song out these days, mm-hmm. and so. Um, the, a lot of the stuff still in kind of active rotation is very old, and I feel like I grew up in front of the internet without realizing that's what I was doing, and I can't take it back now because those feelers are already out there. Um, and so certainly if I could put out eight more albums and just kind of... I actually listened to the episode with Louis Zong, who just has like 50 things of little tiny beautiful pieces, and I don't I don't work like that, and yeah, I wish I, mean, I did. Yeah, work differently. Right. But... Um, yeah, I wish I could bury that with new stuff, but I put such a pressure on myself about like what's worthy of writing a song about, which I shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that 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 old album, the Brown album, mm-hmm. um, which is not what it's called, but that's what I call it, <laughs> came on at a party once that I was at, and I had to leave the room. Weird. <laughs> it was so weird. It was so weird because I didn't know what mastering was, I didn't know what mixing was, yeah. and so it's like you know Bruno Mars and then some child recording into her iPhone. And I was just like, I can't, I can't handle it. I can't watch people listening to my song. And so I left. What I party outside. were you at? Was this like your friends or it was, was this like people you didn't know? No, it was people that I knew. And it was my friend, my friend Mikey. He just has my music in like his hype playlist. And so he just put on his hype Spotify playlist. Mm. Um, and I was like, hey, Mikey, can you change this? And he was like, oh, my phone's locked in a vase or whatever he said. <laughs> I can't. And so... And he didn't understand. He's also a creative dude, but he's very hype on the stuff he makes, and he couldn't understand my discomfort. Oh. Um, which I'm, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Everyone kind of has different levels yeah. of comfort with their old stuff. I mean, but like, it's. I think it really says something to me the fact that like you even like still play that song still. I, I feel like I don't have a choice. Does that make sense? Tell me more. <laughs> it's it's because it's a song that people. It, it's old. Is the thing. It's mm-hmm. this weird time capsule. But I do, probably on the monthly now, still get tweets um, from people saying, oh my god, I tried to log in my old my old MySpace, mm-hmm. and I don't remember my password, and Molly23 was right. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's still... People occasionally go, like, you should rewrite it about Facebook, which I'm not going to do. Because I don't think... Facebook's not going to forget about us, so we're not going to forget about it. <laughs> no, they have our data. They have... They got us where they want us. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I feel like the songs that are most 
I, I sort of like I didn't have a big catalog when I started touring and mm-hmm. so the songs that people know are the ones that I had and mm-hmm. I have not been touring as much since then but mm-hmm. so still the ones that people remember the ones that endear me to people are old slices of a person I'm not anymore yeah. <laughs> but I don't feel like I have I don't have a strong enough thing to say now is yeah. the thing uh, the so song, it's more of like a like a performance like this is like this is what the people want yeah you came here to hear this song and i know that mm-hmm. and it's not so embarrassing that i won't play it yeah it's just it's a, i have the word 2008 in there like it makes no <laughs> it's not shy about how old it is oh, it tells you it's like yeah. it is. <laughs> and i've had a real sort of come to jesus like oh i've been doing this for 10 years yeah I, this is what a decade feels like you know, <laughs> which is weird in, in itself. Yeah. I mean, and then like in between then and now, you also like wrote a musical. Well, this is true. Which was the other thing that was on the bank account. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it was interesting because like Hannah was telling me about like your work and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do my own research. And it's just like very interesting, like the scope of things you do. Okay. I, I appreciate you, you know, saying I, no, yeah, It's like lots of different types of things. Yeah. But all of them are like, I think very singular. Like you do, like you try each avenue sure so i I will take that absolutely yeah so can you tell me like what motivates you to like do all these different types of creative (laughs) actions sure do you mean like different styles of songwriting there's like different styles of songwriting just like different ways of collaboration and then even different ways of making right yeah so it's i think there's a lot of adhd in there Mm -hmm. um there's sort of a uh, there I very quickly, like, I'll, I'll take something and go, this is it. I'm definitely a nerd fighter. This is what I'm all about. And that light goes off after about, you know, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And so there's this always, like, I don't want to say reinvention because I think that is Madonna's word. I feel weird using it, <laughs> applying it to myself. But there is a sort of the thing that cracked my head open when the, the my toxic my cover of Toxic went viral was like, oh, there's, if you do anything well enough, it'll find an audience. Yeah, That's what this is about. And I've, I've spent, I've gotten in my own way a lot by going like, well, what does a songwriter do in this moment? What is a song? How is a songwriter supposed to go about this thing? Um, and sort of the realization of like, one, my audience ain't that big. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, my audience don't really give a crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're just kind of, and I've had this conversation in words with my patrons on Patreon yeah. of just like, do you care if I, if it's covers or originals or podcasts or what? And most of them are just like, we just want what falls out of your brain. We don't really care what yeah. form it takes. And I went into songwriting first because uh, Jonathan Colton, who is a songwriter I really like and I really appreciate, I understand the construction of the song as well as the content. And I met him when I was a senior in high school and he said kind of, not in a direct sort of way, but he said that I should consider songwriting as a career. And it was the first time for me that someone had said, you should do this job. Mm -hmm. You should consider this field. And so, Especially coming from someone that you respect. Someone that I, whose yeah. opinion I, who would know? Someone, yeah. the, sort of the, the expert in the field. And so it that kind of started me on this track of like, well, maybe I can be a songwriter. Maybe I can be a podcaster. Maybe I can write a musical. There's, mm-hmm. And they all feel correct at the time. But then there's a feeling of like, well, I did that. What next? Yeah. You know, I don't feel like, I, I worry that I've pigeonholed myself as a comedy YouTuber, ukuleleist. Mm-hmm. But... It's also, I kind of have my fingers in a bunch of pigeonholes at this yeah. point, you know? Um, and I kind of want to see, in sort of this transit between cultures that I seem to be stuck in, where else can I go, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, like last week I went to a ventriloquism convention in Cincinnati just because I could, because I was in town. Like, 
It's just like, if I keep dipping my fingers into random cultures that I have no part in, where else can that take me, you know? And that's it kind of the path I'm on right now. Completely different. Yeah. 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 I mean, I feel like everyone judges your creative output by, like, the most recent thing you did. Yeah. So, like, I think this concern, as someone who's, like, just coming across all your work, For I feel sure. like this concern of, like, people think you are, like, a common YouTuber person yeah. who discovers, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm like... I liked your Abraham Lincoln song. <laughs> I that. Yeah. No, and I, I, I do hope that... Because I don't think anyone's more embarrassed about my old work than I am. No, no you know? one is. No one is. <laughs> no one's embarrassed No one's holding that against me. Work. It was 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I do carry that sense of like... Because you're right. You're only kind of the person that you are right now. Yeah. You're, you're, it's, I think Ray Bradbury said, be what you are and bury what you are not. And I'm in the process of trying to bury what I'm not mm-hmm. in the moment. Um, cause like the musical that you, you mentioned, which I wrote, um, is such a weird niche thing. Cause it's a musical about Thanksgiving and nobody wanted that but me. Um, but there was sort of the feeling of like, if I don't, then who will? And it was also the, um, I always complain about how there's so many Christmas songs and not enough Thanksgiving songs. Yeah. So here's how I will structure the task of writing more Thanksgiving songs. <laughs> and it turned into a show, like a feature piece for all of my friends. And it turned into live albums are the easiest dang thing in the world to do, you know? Uh, and so it just kind of, at the time, it made sense. I feel like that's that's my whole story. It's like, at, at the moment, it seemed like the the right the thing that I was built to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm constantly rebuilding myself because that's how this that's yeah. how this goes. Do you think all your projects are sort of very like spur of the moment that way? It, yeah, I do a little bit. Um, and there's also the feeling of like, fine, I'll do it myself <laughs> a little bit. Um, yeah, and I'm just kind of getting used to the idea that, like, I should plan things ahead. Like, I should mm-hmm. make, like, a two-year plan, maybe. It's probably why I haven't put out an album since whenever, because that Brown album was just demos, and I sent them to Hank Green because he was starting a record label at the time. And I was like, yo, man, I need to print these CDs because I'm doing a tour of shows, and I need to pay for my flights. How quickly can we print these CDs? Mm-hmm. And so all the albums I have are just kind of <laughs> set and forget, you know, yeah. just one and done. Because um, I'm... I'm not too process oriented and it feels like an album is a very process heavy thing. A podcast are very process oriented. Um, I, th- yeah. I mean, I, I feel like th- yes and no, you know, like yeah. for some people it is very process oriented, but I think for other people it isn't. Yeah. Actually, like you mentioned podcasts. Like I think there's a lot of podcasts out there that are not. That are just like a Yeti in the middle of the table. Yeah. 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 I mean, and then like, I, w- I want to know like, how has your process evolved since then to now? I feel because like even, you say like you're kind of like doing all, all sorts of things, but I do think there's like been a trend toward more collaborative work and like there has been a trend toward like more planning. It seems like just like just based on like your first album versus like your most recent singles, like there are more sounds yes, this, happening. That is definitely true. Um, yeah, I think I think because like the myth of the sort of because I got into sort of YouTube culture kind of early, mm-hmm. relatively early. Um, and there was sort of this myth that you do all of the stuff yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly how it is presented. And for a lot of people, that is the case. But I think I had an, I was working under an assumption that I had to, because like Creative Commons was a, was a thing. And it was just like, you have to own all of your stuff and protect the rights to it. Yeah. You have to edit your own videos. You have to, you know, it, there was this sort of, it was like really inspiringly DIY, but also isolating and it's been interesting in recent years to learn that there's been a whole community this whole time mm-hmm. sharing resources. Um, 
but also it's and it's it's also a recognition of my own limitations if i'm honest you know i can't play the cello turns out i've tried it doesn't work <laughs> um and i can't i can't read music but i have a desire to collaborate in that way and so i found friends who are patient enough to translate that stuff for me mm-hmm. um you can hire people to edit videos i found out i didn't know this until last year you know um you can hire people to edit podcasts there are people who have and i also have an iffy relationship to time and the way that time passes I think that's also an ADHD thing where I can just like sit down and poop out a podcast in an hour, edit a whole thing. And that normally takes people like half a day. And I just don't have a sense of how much time it is supposed to take to do things. Um, And so it feels like I am trying to invent the wheel constantly and everyone's going, there's a perfectly good wheel like right over here. You just put put the pick down, girl. Yeah. You got, we got, we got it over here. I mean, yeah, but if you're doing it all yourself, like you, you're only, you retain a certain control. Yeah. But your precept of like how something is done is just like, this is how I found it. And honestly, how important you are to the process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because you sort of, you sort of grind down your batteries a little bit if you're doing everything, including the stuff you have to learn as you're doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just taxing so many parts of your brain at once. And, and I found I was grinding my gears down doing sort of administrative stuff that wasn't necessary and then not writing songs. And so I'm trying to sort of in delegating things to people that know better, trying to open up space in my brain to write more stuff so I can bury that old stuff. That's why people hire those administrative people. Yeah. So you don't have to fill up that brain space. I know. I'm just learning this. It shouldn't have taken me this long. No, I completely resonate with that. (laughs) It's a problem. You just yeah. like, because also you, I, fe- I think you feel indebted to like the people you have run on to your projects. You're like, it should be me that like delegates everything because like yeah. I'm, I am responsible to you because I brought you to this thing. Yeah. 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 And, and my name's on the masthead, so I should take the responsibility for this. And yeah, it's, I'm really, it's all, and I, I think it may be the case for a lot of creators, but you sort of learn as you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't learn in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I'm still learning, which I guess is good. Yeah. Can you take me through like your most recent? I, I'm going to keep going back to this Lincoln song because it came out this year. So I'm like, for sure. Here it is ready for me to talk about. Yeah. Like, so how did you find all those people who played the different instruments? And like, what was that process like for you? Yeah. And that song is actually older. That's a song that's old. And I never felt like I did. It was just me on ukulele in the uh-huh. first version on the Brown album. Um, but But the version of it. The new version. Is yeah. very good. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, no, I those two fellas, actually the aforementioned the singing group my mom was in, their mom was also in that group, and that's how our moms met. Oh, so I've I've known them like brothers. Like we, they did a thing where they basically forced all their kids to become friends. Um, it happens. It happens. And what's so wonderful about them, with my my whole self consciousness about having grown up in front of the internet and so on, is we played together as children, and then that whole family moved to Tennessee. Uh, from like Costa Mesa or wherever they lived. And so we missed each other's awkward adolescent years entirely. So we have, the only things we have in common culturally basically are our shared personal history and music. And that is it. I mean, there's something beautiful about (laughs) that. It's really lovely (laughs) to just kind of unplug because like, I feel like, because they don't have any context on the world I'm from. Like they don't know YouTube from a hole in the ground. They don't know nerd stuff. They don't know... They don't know who Will Wheaton is, which is kind of a big, like, they they don't know if they wouldn't pick Felicia Day out of a crowd. Um, and they're both sort of hired gun country musicians. I don't know. They're like, oh, yeah, we did a show with Jason Aldean. And I'm like, great. Yeah. Good sure. for you. Did he pay well? What is, what's a Jason Aldean? Um, and so 
and they are so in the way that I they, they just pooping out a song is just a thing they do all the time for money, and I have put just too much gravitas on like you know well this this one song I have to push out into the world and I have to learn to play all that they're just like oh well, here's a cello part here's a violin part here's a banjo part here's a slide guitar part and we're done and then we go to dinner it's mm-hmm. it's this amazing there's such a well-oiled machine in that way and there's it it, it just kind of naturally fell together cuz they were it was a I took a visit to their house in Tennessee when I was a kid and they all played a bunch of instruments they jammed out to some nickel creek and I went oh I also, that was like the light bulb moment of like, I could play an instrument as well. How about that? And so it's sort of a nice full circle thing of doing um, doing that Lincoln song with them. Did um, they know about that song before or did you bring it to them? I brought it to them and I didn't, they're, they're nuts in that um, I didn't give them like a demo or anything. Like I, I was like, here's the layout of the song. But like I literally played it for them. One of them has perfect pitch, which is, which is super annoying. And so he would just like, <laughs> I would play through a verse and he'd be like, play through the second bar of that again. And he would have all the chords. <laughs> like, um, it's it's unreal how quickly they can get stuff done. And for how much I have struggled to get things done, it's just really nice to delegate to people that know better. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no, the sort of weird like personal, that's always, like always the challenge of finding people to delegate to and people that you trust is like, figuring out your workflow and your balance together. And we figured that out when we were five. Yeah. Um, it's, it's super great. And they're a super great resource to have. Um, and then I get to stay in their house, which we played in as kids. It's mm-hmm. like this, it's, it, it's all, it almost feels too good to be true. Like mm-hmm. if I woke up like out of a coma and they were like, Oh, by the way, those boys never existed. I'd be like, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Cause in, in that song for people who haven't heard it, yeah. but they will hear it. They will. <laughs> there's like a three act structure to it. Mm-hmm. And then each, part of it has a very different feel yeah. to it. It's a song about the Abraham Lincoln assassination told yeah. from three different perspectives in the room on the day. Um, yeah, and yeah. then I think the w- like I think just the way that you play like your part of that song ex- sort of explains like the tone of each section and I'm some warning for them how natural was it for them to just hear that and understand like what you needed from each part. They well they I'm more of a lyric person and they're not lyric people. So it's been it was interesting to kind of have to tell them, like, okay, so lay back here because he's thinking about the Civil War. Like, that shouldn't be a peppy-sounding thing because they just think in, like, our, like what sounds nice musically mm-hmm. and not what serves it as it's, it has to be kind of theatrical in, yeah. a, in a way. Sort of, There's sort of a cinematic sense. There was, no, there was it. definitely a cinematic quality to that song. Yeah, and that took a little bit of coaching because I take my lyrics very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, the sort of, I... I write songs in sort of conceptual, like narrative ideas, and they compose with just musical ideas. Like yeah. they exchange, they come from kind of a bluegrass tradition, which has a vocabulary of riffs. Oh yeah. You know, there's sort of a, a shared, like there's like bluegrass memes basically, but they're like hundreds, they're a hundred years old and Bill Monroe wrote them. Like it's, <laughs> they, they just, they think of music in a different way than I do. And so that, that was really, really refreshing, honestly. Um, and they, living in Tennessee, they have slightly different opinions about the Civil War, some of them. Yeah. <laughs> so we skirted around that conversation as well. Um, but they knew, like, Assassins by Sondheim was a good sort of touchstone of, like, okay, so you know in the Battle of Booth, are we talking about this? That's kind of where we are in this song now. Like, mm. we used musical theater as kind of a lingua franca. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been inter- It's a completely different kind of creative exchange than I've ever had. No, that's super interesting. I mean, I feel like since since the like, professional work is like hired hired players, like yeah, that process is sort of natural to them. Yeah, 
and the other it's it's very natural to them and they it's it's what that you throw a medicine ball of an idea at them and they throw it back like that's the whole mm-hmm. thing they do and they also don't the other refreshing thing about them is they are used to being in the background. They don't have a sense of, I've only worked with people that are used to being the personality at the front of the thing, mm-hmm. and they don't have that instinct at all, mm-hmm. which is nice because then we can just be musicians. Yeah. No, I yeah. mean, it's a skill to know how to be back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to augment the proceedings without throwing yourself in front of them. Yeah. Yeah, and they're both very good at that. Was, how? I mean, how difficult was that for you to like just be that person, be like, okay, this is how it should sound it's i'm learning still yeah um because they are trained like classically and i tend to go down to not i don't go down on myself that's not what i meant i am down (laughs) on myself (laughs) about um my sort of lack of musical training Mm -hmm. and so i would i i feel like i kind of pulled back sometimes about like well they they would know though Mm -hmm. because it's their you know, they, they, I don't want to tell them how to play their instrument, but that is literally what I pay them for, is yeah. to tell them how to play their instrument. Yeah. And so I'm, I have some other uh, future collaborations lined up with them, and so I'm trying to put on my bossy boots a little more. Is yeah. that a conversation you ever had with them? Like, seeing as, like, they were people that you were friends with as children, and mm-hmm. I assume you are friendly with? Yeah. Like, was that ever something that you, like, taught, expressed to them? Was, like your like earnestness and like i'm like still learning how to do this yeah i have told them like i i've i often apologize like i am new to this process yeah. this sort of because they have a home studio that is very high tech and fully f- equipped and full of every instrument on the planet it's very irritating um <clears throat> but you know i had told them like i have edited podcasts in logic and that is as close as i have been to this sort of level of, of production um but they were they they never talked over my head about stuff, so I didn't feel too out of my depth. And I feel like this is honestly good for like lowering my feet into working with other producers as well. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm sort of comfortable in that environment, um, yeah, cool, it's, it's good. Should I play the other song? I was gonna ask. Can okay, you play something else first, please. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll play the Lincoln song since we just talked about it. Well, here we are, Ford's Theater. Wow, this is pretty awesome. Don't know what this play is, but I don't really care. Cause, oh my word, I can't believe the president is here. I can't see him, but I know he's sitting up there. When Harper's Weekly runs his picture, I like to keep it, I like to tear it out. But my husband doesn't like it when I do this. Says he only has so much patience, and I might just wear it out. Now the play has started, but my head is somewhere else. The way he freed the slaves or something, that's so dreamy. I wonder what his view is like from way up in that box. It might flash a bit of ankle. He might... No, shoot. Flash a bit of ankle. I got distracted by that chord. He might see me. He'll be like, who's that fetching beauty? And I'll wave and be like up and i'll run off with him and we'll have tons of babies and we'll live in a log cabin and i'll stay home and brush his hair and my husband here can what was that noise he's a tyrant and a crook if you just take a closer look you can see the lies just dripping from his mouth he suffocated half the land with his long and bony hand and he doesn't give a damn about the south he robbed us all of house and home and then he left us all alone it is obvious the deed that must be done he 
can't be trusted with the power And now the clock has struck the hour I act on the behalf of everyone And I'll liberate my country Unseat the despot The old rule will vanish I will turn the page of history We'll get a new start Six Semper Tyrannus song that, that ends very like poignantly yeah <laughs> i i used to open with that song really like, when i did sets because i felt like it was a good sort of sample of all the stuff that i would do like okay there's jokes and then there's melodrama and there's sadness like hmm. and those things kind of patterned into my song sometimes um and also you can't close with it you can't put it anywhere else it has to be at the top you could close with it i don't think i can end with like hey your favorite president got shot <laughs> Let's get inside his head, and then he'll die. Like, it just doesn't seem... And I mean, everybody, I mean, spoilers, everyone knows how it ends, but... It's, yeah, we do all know. Yeah. We all know. Yeah, with comedy songs, you can take the temperature of the room as you're doing it, but a song like that, you gotta just wait. Hope for the best. Did they applaud? Yeah, they did, thank God. They'll applaud. They applaud, they always do. It's a good effort. I know they always do. <laughs> In my head, I know. This is, this is good, because my, my question is, how is your relationship with, like... Being in front of people changed over time. <laughs> um, I mean, being it, a public person, I guess, is what I mean. It it does still feel like it happened to me. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a thing I chose, mm-hmm. but it also felt like I had no other choices, mm-hmm. which is a super like downer way to put it. But like, 
I could see no path after, like my only goal as a kid was to get into college. It was all I'd been told to aspire to. And so after that, I had no plan. And then when I was applying to colleges, a songwriter I really liked was like, what about songwriter? And so it's, but I did not imagine myself in a public field, certainly. And I didn't, I was used to being sort of exposed because my mom and dad were prominent in the community. So I was used to having rooms full of people who all knew my name and whose names I did not know. <laughs> I was, I didn't, I kind of took for granted how comfortable I was in that role. Um, but it has been a long walk to convince myself that I'm worth presenting as a solo person, mm-hmm. you know, like it doesn't feel like the stuff I have to offer is self-evident, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think, a personal struggle more than a creative struggle because I feel in my gut like my songs are good. Yeah, they are good. Thank you. <laughs> I would imagine it'd be weird if you that had me on your podcast and then you were going to dunk on my songs. <laughs> That'd be... I'm sure that podcast exists. Oh, that's but I'm, such a different person I'm glad I'm not I am. Yeah, that is not your energy at all. Ah, <laughs> uh, some TMZ bullshit. It's like, yeah. so... So... Tell us about how much you suck. Was Lincoln such a good president, though, really? Does he deserve to have a three-part suite about his demise? Yeah. Yeah. That's not who I am. That's not why we're here. I noticed that about you. Um, Yeah, so, well, I guess I'm I'm wondering about your, the way you felt about being, like, presenting your work in front of people, because I feel like you made a lot of things at the beginning, and then you got, like, a lot of attention for them, and then that caused like a slowdown yeah. and also cause you to like do a bunch of other things. Sure. Because- I was also in college at the time I was going into college. Yeah. And there's um, also that. There's also that, which it turns which, out takes up a lot of your time. It does. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was doing the song. Well, I mean, and it was also, yeah, I kind of wasn't prepared to get the amount of attention I did. Um, because all my stuff went viral when I was a freshman. Uh, and I wrote the bulk of my songwriting catalog. I'd like, I have a MySpace song and a Road Trip song, and then four other songs, the four songs after that, that I think are the rest of that Brown album, uh, came out of a songwriting contest I was in as, like, a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, the challenge on the Lincoln song was to just write a song with three distinct musical movements in sort of, like, like Bohemian Rhapsody or something. Yeah. Um, and so that was the angle I took. <laughs> let's, what are the kids let's... into? <laughs> Presidential assassination. And Bohemian Rhapsody. And Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I couldn't rewrite Bohemian Rhapsody. I wouldn't dare. Um, but um, yeah, like I I think it helped to have, I kind of, I knew that college was a good sort of foil for the creative process, but I didn't really know why. And I've been teasing that apart ever since. And it also, it felt like people had shown up for a particular thing. They wanted the comedy, joke em ups. And I was in kind of a spot sort of, creatively and personally where i didn't want to write the comedy songs anymore you weren't comedy joke em ups i wasn't comedy moment. joke em ups like yeah. it was sort of a large transitional period in my life as colleges for most people and so i kind of i felt like i've been sort of seeking like the sort of mowgli finds the man village moment and so i was like oh nerd fighters this is clearly about no okay geeks surely that no okay well i don't i don't know where i belong and i was kind of in this moment of like these geeks really like me and i'm not sure if i can give them what they want yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not sure what they want. And to this day, I'm not sure what my draw is, mm-hmm. you know. And so I kind of, I also got in a really bad cycle of, I two of my favorite songs came out of books I had read. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's been a long tale of me learning the wrong lessons from things and then mm-hmm. finding out years later because I went, oh, well, that means that every book that I read should turn into a song. And it put too much pressure uh, on the books that I chose. And you stopped reading. And I stopped reading. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so... I'm, I'm shaking that monkey off my back like now, like yeah. 2017, 2018. 
Um, and so I think that's why my output slowed down a little bit. Um, and I kind of, yeah, I got in my own head about like, mm -hmm. I, I started, I was asking more what other people wanted from me and not what I wanted from myself, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And there's the sort of push pull between should statements and want statements. And I was framing my career in should statements. Yeah. Um, which is not the way That's to not how you make things. No, yeah. it's not, it's not good. Uh, not good for the create creative cycle turns out. And then like, but in the meantime, you're like making lots of videos, making a podcast, yeah. which is very charming. <laughs> the you. podcast is very charming. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> and I feel like those are different types of creative outlets than songwriting. Cause I think songwriting, like you said, at least for you at the beginning, especially was like very solo mm -hmm. and both of those things are a lot more collaborative, mm -hmm. I feel. And yeah. so can you t tell me about like how that has been and like, what is it, what is it, what it is that those things like give to you as a creative person? Well, it's, it's nice to, cause with podcasts, you get to kind of curate a conversation ahead of time, mm -hmm. which is really nice. Um, and it, it's, and yeah, it is a thing. It's a thing that is born in the moment that you are making it and you like, cause you know, music exists in time. It's what music is. You sort of program, here's how the next three minutes are going to go. Mm -hmm. Um, and when the recording's over or the performance is over, there's no more music. That's like, it lives on a recording, but you have to play the recording for music to exist. And podcasts are kind of, I feel similar in that way. They exist in a moment and you can bottle it in a recording. Otherwise, it's just a conversation that floats into the ether and is never heard from again. And it's nice to, and in a way you, I feel like music you present to people. Uh, and podcasts, you can kind of include your audience more. They kind of, they're listening in on a conversation that in a way they are part of as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so... That, that was the appeal of YouTube sort of early on in the day is that like, you know, the Vlogbrothers still do it and the Idea Channel did. Like just the, the active conversation with the comments and sort of this long sort of conversation that, you know, kind of circled back on itself but always moved forward. Yeah. And podcasts are, are pre I, I feel sim like they're kind of a similar thing sort of spiritually. And, and I... I I have kind of an iffy relationship with myself on video as well. <laughs> it's, I vlogged for a bit and I enjoy vlogging, but I don't want to do it anymore. That kind of thing. Mm. Um, Cause it, yeah, it, it feels weird to with vlogging. You kind of commodify sections of your personality and push them oh, yeah. out as packaged products, but people kind of allow a sort of something looser about podcast. Pa uh, podcasting is allowed to happen in real time. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> and, and vlogs, like if you just had someone, talking to their phone unbroken for like 15 minutes, nobody would watch it. And there's sort of a forgiveness to uh, among the podcast audience, I find. Well, I mean, I think with podcasting, you're allowed to do something else. Yeah. Like you don't have to watch it. It can just be like, that's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. You can just kind of be in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Whereas a video kind of demands your complete attention. Um, Which is tiring. Yeah, it's tiring on both ends. On both honestly. ends. Yeah, that's what yeah. we found. That yeah, like nobody wins in this interchange. Takes a lot out of you. You're asking a lot of me, and I'm asking a lot of you. Like, <laughs> let's 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 drop the charade. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and then so given all of that, like, what's <laughs> what's next for Molly oh, Lewis? So much. I, I mean, that's that's a good that's a good question. Yeah. Um, and I hope when you find out, you'll tell me. No, I <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I've been like awaiting instructions this whole time of mm -hmm. like, what am I supposed to do? And I feel I 
this collaboration with the boys in Tennessee is really nice because it felt like this. Oh, this is like, and it does, it feels the nicest thing about it. The thing that's most creatively freeing is our relationship would exist whether or not I was making music, Mm -hmm. you know, and we actually reconnected because there's really beautifully sophisticated home studios all over Nashville. Turns out, I don't know why, Perhaps it's a town that industrially produces music. Um, But so I know two different families that have home studios out there. And so every year they get together and produce a Christmas album with all the alums of this group through which they all met. And so we used to do this when we were little kids. And then everybody moved to Tennessee and it stopped. And then a couple years ago they were like, hey, let's get back together and do that again now that our kids are grown. And so we went to this thing and recorded a Christmas album with all of our parents and all of our parents' friends. And went, oh, hey, you're working musicians? I'm working musicians. Let's do a thing. Um, But I think that relationship still would have been kindled whether or not we had decided to work together. And so there's not this feeling like I need to constantly be producing work in order to keep this going. It'll still go. Um, And so it allows me to give – it lets me give myself permission to do things just because I enjoy them and to really like – and it's why – like because the Lincoln song is an old – it's technically already out there – but I felt like I hadn't done it justice. Mm-hmm. And so sort of that putting that closure on this old material that I still feel obligated to play because it is beloved by my audience, but that I don't feel like I have done right by. I'm finally tying those ends up after 10 goddamn years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like I'm at this sort of, I, I'm this transitional point where the sort of, comedy ukuleleist like self-consciously pandering to an audience that she like a club for of which she wouldn't be a member a little bit um sort of the groucho marx thing um (laughs) i feel like that's kind of closing a little bit i I feel sort of at peace leaving that part behind and going well now i'm in another decade of my dang career what is this decade gonna look like do you want to like write a serious album about intimate thoughts Oh, I don't. And this is actually a thing I respect about Julia Noons. Like when we first kind of connected, I thought like, well, she writes love songs and there's so many love songs. Mm -hmm. And I got into songwriting from um, there. there, I've seen interviews with Randy Newman where he talks about he doesn't see himself as a romantic figure. And so the songs he writes are character pieces and like sort of short stories, basically. Um, And it's frustrating to him and also to me by association that songwriters don't have the same latitude that short story writers have. And so I started songwriting with the mission of like, I'm going to write about anything but love. There's so many other things that there aren't songs about and I'm going to fill that gap. First stop, Abraham Lincoln. Um, But so like, but she writes these wonderfully open songs about her personal experiences. And that's just a thing I don't know how to do. And it's a thing I don't have a desire to do. I'm a pretty private person, which is why vlogging is weird to me. It's why promoting myself in any way feels gross. <laughs> and like I'm giving away stuff for free that I can never ask for back. Yeah. Um, mainly like your time. Mainly my time and my privacy. Privacy yeah. is not a thing you can recall. No. Um, and it felt weird too. I realized because I went viral when I was like 17. Um, when you're 17, you don't have a private life. It feels like you do, but your parents are in all, they have your fingers in everything you do. And so you have a public life, a persona you present to your friends, and a personal life you present to your family, but there's no privacy. And so I had just started commodifying my personal life for people, because that's what vloggers do. And I never thought to put a flag in, this is private and no one can know about this. This is just for me. I had never done that. And it's, and it felt like a productive thing to do. It felt productive to mine my private life for content. Um, and so getting through that gate was really nice. Yeah. Kind of recently. Um, but uh, what were we talking about? Lincoln? 
probably <laughs> what, the, the type of art you want to make. Now, you're saying that you don't want to write something too I don't intimate. want to write pers- personal things, no. But my core competency, I feel, um, I, I say, kind of glancing sideways, sideways around the room, <laughs> um, I have a couple songs that I really have enjoyed writing and I'm proud of still about non-fictional songs that are character portraits of real people. Because mm-hmm. I have an Abraham Lincoln song. I have a sad song about um, that astronaut that went crazy and drove across the country to try and murder a lady. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I really connected to her. Mm-hmm. I felt for her. Um, and so I have kind of ideas stewing about, like, what other stories can I tell? Like, Because I feel like my story's not in... It's not that it's uninteresting, but I don't think I can condense it into a song. Yeah. I'm still kind of figuring out as I live it. Um, and And I'm also... I feel like my... My feelings are just kind of boring, like perfunctory white lady feelings that there have been enough songs about. <laughs> People don't need more white ladies singing about their feelings. Um, but there's, but sort of getting back into reading, like what other what other books can I read that I can mm-hmm. mine into into songs? Because um, there's, you know, the Memory Palace. I love the Memory Palace. Yeah, those the, the such ability, a good podcast. Everyone a, listen to it. Hey, like when you're done with this podcast, don't turn off this podcast. <laughs> but afterwards, uh, the Memory Palace on Radiotopia. Um, but they're so good at uh, condensing these long, detailed stories into these little romantic sort of vignettes. Yeah, exactly. Just, mm, and I would love to do that with pearls. music. Yeah, they're just like perfect little gemstones. Like you cut, they cut this rock into a perfect gem. It's amazing. Um, and so I think that makes sense for you, like as like a way to go based on like everything you've said. Like it sounds like telling like specific stories of yeah. other people makes sense for you it's a it's a it's a i've sort of a balladeer kind of instincts i yeah. guess i want to write ballads yeah um and inventing ballads seems weird i don't have the creative itch to like i would much rather reshape facts into a condensed thing yeah because like a group with schoolhouse rock and that's what they do is they take like here's a bunch of facts but now it's catchy no it's fun yeah yeah <laughs> so i kind of want to do that a little more yeah Cool. Like, have you heard of Have you heard the band Sun Kill Moon? Sun Kill Moon. No, the name sounds familiar, but I don't. They also do this. Okay, great. But very sad. Okay. <laughs> like, cause they had a whole album that was like basically about death, um, but it's like different story. Like a lot of it was their personal life, but it felt like about like different family members, and then also like events in American like polit like like culture and yeah it was a depressing album it was oh, very yeah. good yeah no Just like, like the, but rough listen yeah no i because like i really admire the um sufian stevens uh, john wayne gacy song mm-hmm. but it's like a little too much i think yeah like it's it's like looking at crime scene photos but music like it's so, it's really intense yeah well yeah so i think like this isn't like a new thing, I think, but I think you're taking like a different approach to it, which is maybe not as dark. I have, it yeah, have to be as dark. I have comedy instincts because I'm a deeply anxious person, and it's how I cut anxiety. Yeah. So it seems like telling stories about anxious people seems like the way I should move. Mm-hmm. Sort of what I'm built to do. Um, I wish I had a song about an anxious person, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> now we know what's next. I know. <laughs> Who has anxiety? Come bring them at me. Can you play something else for us, please? Yeah. What What do I have to play? I, I literally, I keep a list in my phone. Oh, no, here's a song about a, a real person. Um, this one's new, um, and it's... Should I should I talk about it before or after? Whatever you want to do. Okay. We, we live so, by our own rules. This is so refreshingly, like, loosey-goosey. I just love it. It's... it's I mean, it's a living room. It's... What do you... <laughs> okay. Um, okay, I will introduce it a little bit then. Um, this is based on... I introduce it at shows. By saying that it's a song about an accomplished older lady who was up for a promotion recently 
uh, and got passed up in favor of an incompetent white man, as so is often the case. Mm -hmm. Um, And having gunned for this job for 10 years and not having gotten it, she took some time off, understandably, uh, took some time in the woods to herself, and people followed her into the woods with cameras to ask how she was doing. And I went, I said to my ukulele, why would this happen? And this is what my ukulele said. Uh, And this song is called Pantsuit Sasquatch. No, it's not. Let me tune real quick. to see you must be pretty desperate if you've come out looking for me you regret how we parted that is well understood now please leave me to sip on my wine and to wander the woods didn't i go where you sent me didn't i meet your demands didn't i answer your questions didn't i shake all your hands didn't i do the best i can wasn't i better than any man Wasn't I cool and collected when all of the shit hit the fan? Wasn't I cool? Wasn't I? You ask how I am doing. What? I assure you I'm fine. Just another man helping himself to what's rightfully mine. Did you say I look tired? I'm not tired at all. I was trying to shatter a ceiling where he built a wall. Didn't I check all the boxes? Didn't I follow routine? Didn't I travel the high road? Never was petty or mean. And did I run a clean campaign? Did I inform and entertain? And did I let down my guard cause my rival had half of a brain? Did I let down, didn't I? All my credentials didn't matter. All my service and nobody cares. They tried to purchase the world on a platter Phoned in some favors and now it is theirs You know it brings me no joy to see you in this hole So much the man will destroy just to feel in control So goodbye Look out below, I'm going your closure because the future's unclear i feel no obligation to tell you what you want to hear would you like me to save you would you like me to quit or would you prefer it if i taught myself how to knit couldn't you mind your own business couldn't you just leave me be you brought this all on yourselves gang don't try to pin it on me couldn't i peacefully into these hills I so admire Couldn't I serve up the tea while he sets the whole party on fire Couldn't I serve, couldn't I And when they write this history I'll take the moral victory Wasn't I right at the center of all that this country could be Wasn't I right Wasn't I Do you have a favorite song that uh, you've written? That I've written? Um, 
Well, I mean, I'm constantly on kind of the treadmill of not liking my old stuff. But Lincoln is up there. because mm-hmm. uh, that And that was, like I said, that was written for a, a contest. I had a week to write that. Um, and I surprised myself hmm. with how it came out. Um, and the other songs that came out of that contest, there's a song about peeps. There's a song about I break up with Wikipedia. Um, there's, what's the other song? There's a third one in there that I almost never talk about. Um, oh, the, I have a song about Mr. T, because I'd been reading Mr. T's autobiography at the time, <laughs> which is an excellent read. Um, but the Lincoln song, it was just how I responded to the prompt, because I was reading um, a Sarah Val book at the time. Um, and I found Booth especially sympathetic in the way she talked about him. And so um, it wasn't funny, and it wasn't any of the stuff that I thought I was good at. And so it kind of holds a special place. It's probably why I wanted to revisit it in the way that I did, of just like, oh, well, this is one, factual, which I value, um, but it it paints a complete picture of a thing that I care about, hmm. which is not a thing I was ca- I thought I was capable of doing, you know? <laughs> um, and just, I, I still like the way that the Lincoln, the Booth and Lincoln verses are constructed. The rhymes were really dense and they just kind of fell into place that way. And that's a great, to get into that kind of flow. There's a good flow in that song. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Um, yeah, and I think, yeah, that's definitely, that is definitely up there. Um, and I, again, I'd have to look at my phone to remember what other songs I've written. <laughs> Which I don't have an excuse for. There's not that many. Do you have a favorite non-song like song music work that you've made? Um, a non, non-song music a non, work. A, non, a non-song work. Like recorded song work. Oh, like something that I haven't released, you mean? Or, n- no. Because I don't, I don't traffic in instrumental stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I do put primacy on like, well, what do I have to say before I write the thing? And it's, I'm hoping that I can get better about just making music sounds just because they're fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the other song I have, which um, I I don't have, I don't have the right kind of ukulele to play it today, but I have my second song that I ever wrote was uh, about the astronaut who went crazy. And that was the first song idea I had. But at the time I was like, Jonathan Colton should write that song. <laughs> and then one day I remember opening my locker and the couplet that sort of keeps the chorus together came into my head and I went, oh, dang, I should write, I have to, I have to write that song now. Oh, shoot. <laughs> um, so those are two, those are two kind of, again, sort of non-fictional portrait songs um, that reminded me like, oh, right, I can, it doesn't have to be jokes all the time. You know, you should just ask yourself, uh, what would Jonathan Colton write? What would Jonathan Colton write? And then you do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it depends on which they're sort of, we're kind of in like, I don't know which era of Jonathan Colton we're in right now, but like Silver Age Jonathan Colton was like sad songs about people in offices that are afraid of women. Like, so I don't know if I want to write those. There's enough of those. Do you have, what's the, what's the, like the best show you've ever played? And what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened at a show you've played? The, the, well, I mean, the weirdest thing, I have a song about Stephen Fry, mm-hmm. um, which is, um, that song was, uh, it, there's like a, it's, there's several different dimensions to that song for me. And I have to retire it kind of soon. Um, and I'm kind of coming to a process of like, how do I formally retire material I don't want to do anymore? Is that an option? Or do I just stop? Um, but um, it's a song about how I think Stephen Fry is great, because he is. And um, how Sarah Palin has like six children and Stephen Fry has none. And I think that's bad for the gene pool. So he should consider having a baby, especially with me. And it's... It's very forward in its in its statements. Um, really, not a lot of figurative language, but um, I wrote it like an application letter, and I I was trying trying to be as non sexual, like as platonic in my appreciation as possible. Um, and then it got on. I road tested it for a year, 
it got I put it on the internet and then a week later I was singing it to him <laughs> through some internet magic. Um and so that was I think the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me at a show mm-hmm. was singing a song about having a man's baby to his face in what front of a the, sold out crowd of people. What was the context for that? Um for the for the song or the performance? The performance. The performance was um it was the Har- the Harvard University uh, humanist chaplaincy was honoring him for basically just publicly dunking on the Catholic Church. I see. More or less. Um, and so he came out and did, he gave just a speech about the history of humanism, like off the dome, because that's a thing Stephen Fry can do. Uh, and then they had a Q&A portion where students from this organization asked him, like, oh, Mr. Fry, something, something, homosexuality, something, something, Hugh Laurie, something, something, Catholic Church, something, something. Um, and then I was the last person in that line. And he had heard the song, but he did not know I was going to be there. And so... I get up to the mic, and because his brain is a steel trap, he went, oh, Molly. And I went, hey, hey, Mr. Fryman, it was Molly. And he goes, I know. And I said, you know, my song, my question comes to you in the form of a serenade, because it's kind of a delicate question. But I ask on behalf of other young women, and then I played the song, just on muscle memory. Uh, and then he smooched me on the forehead uh, and said, thank you. Um, and already at that point, the fact that he had heard the song at all was embarrassing to me. And now I had to really, I had to literally face the music. You did. You faced that music. <laughs> and I, he approached me at center stage to, I would later find out, smooch me on the forehead. But I thought for sure, like, what if he punches me? I just have to, <laughs> I have to accept that. Right? Just gives me a bill, slap across the face. How dare you? I'm spoken for. Um, but it didn't happen that way. Um, and I should have stopped playing the song from that day forward. I should have been like, I have a no, song about Stephen Fry. Yeah, there's no other reason I'm to play I'm not going to play it for you, again. though. <laughs> Just believe me that I have it, but he's heard it, so we're done. The case is closed. Um, yeah, dealt with. Filed away. Filed away. Just put a stamp on that one. It is done. You can stop playing a song whenever you want. Okay, like. fantastic. Well, then no one's ever going to hear that song again. <laughs> you can also bring back songs whenever you want, too. This is something I learned from, what's his name? This musician I like, Paul Baraboo. Okay. He had a song about his family and mom that was like super revealing about like his family life right and he played it for a while and it became one of his most popular songs mm-hmm. and then he did not want to play it anymore mm-hmm. so he stopped playing it i can understand but that. then it came back like five years later because he was like at a different place with like his family yeah. and how he felt about that song and like yeah. came full circle and like because I, I was actually at a, at a funny show that he played it in San Diego where it seemed like he just in the mood to like talk about every single song he played that night. So okay, like we yeah. learned a lot about like what his thought process was, which was super cool. Yeah. But like he talked about like, I didn't used to play this. I played the song a lot and then I stopped playing the song and now things are a lot better. So I can play the song again. Cause yeah. I know all of you like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that's good. That's real big. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, you can play or not play whatever you want. Yeah, no, that's that's the. <laughs> I think that's why I'm hesitant to write personal songs. Honestly, yeah. is because like even the songs that are not from a personal perspective, I still see. It feels like putting on a set of clothes I don't wear anymore. Like yeah. you kind of have to unzip a person you used to be and step into it for three minutes and then yeah, step yeah, back yeah. out. And that's sometimes that's uncomfortable. Yeah, I, that happens all the time with people I think who have to play songs from an album that they wrote because they're like touring an album mm-hmm. they wrote those songs at least a year ago if not more yeah and they're probably somewhere else than when the person they were when they wrote those yeah. so it's always like i think performing is always like just like being the person you were in the past yeah it really is but presenting it as if it was now which yeah. is like a weird thing i feel like with the myspace song i can't really do that <laughs> there's no i can't really have, like shy away from the fact like no i was a child and myspace was a thing so we've dated ourselves already <laughs> then what's the best show you've ever played 
Um, if that was the weirdest thing, because that is that a was weird that thing. was it was entirely weird. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've been fortunate in that I've played no bad gigs. Really, that's not true. There's no way that's true. I've played like underattended gigs, but the people that were there were supportive. Like mm. I've never been heckled. I've never had like the Blues Brothers chicken wire thing, <laughs> you know, which is generally not how the nerd community traffics, yeah. right? But like, like I've had, I, I played like a show in Cleveland where everybody left right before because it was across the street from the baseball's game and everyone in the venue during soundcheck was there for the baseball's game. That's how that goes. But the six people that were left were very excited that we were in Cleveland. Um... I'm really drawing drawing a blank because I've had a lot of good, like the show where I debuted the Stephen Fry song was in. No, well, I'll tell you the best the best show that I did was when I met Jonathan Colton and Paul and Storm, because that was um, I was 18, I was a senior in high school, I was applying to colleges, um, and they had seen my cover of one of the Jonathan's songs, and we're just kind of like long story short, we arranged to. He posted it on his blog, and his, his fans were like, "You should find where is this girl? You should find her." And so he sent me an email, like, geographically, whereabouts are you? Because when we're there, we should play together. And I thought, like, I was dying. I was like, this is a make-a-wish thing. There's no way. And so we played, um, I, like, I learned a couple of their songs. Um, and then they left the stage and I played one of my songs. And it was the first time I'd ever played for, like, people that had paid for their tickets who didn't mm. know who I was before. And it went great. And it, it felt like the entire time, like, well, I think if I just, like, if I just walked in front of a train, I'd be fine. <laughs> Like this is this is pretty this is a pretty good note to go out on <laughs> if I am dying of some make a wish thing like yeah. whatever, um, and so that that was it, it that's like the most unreal like this went so well that I'm paranoid about it kind of show I've done, because um, I mean like I've done things like I played I played always look on the bright side with one of the living members of Monty Python on stage in costume singing along um, I played. Um, I wrote parody lyrics to one of my songs about Doctor Who, and one of the Doctor Who actors was playing the spoons. <laughs> like, I have, like, it, I've met all the robots from Mystery Science Theater. I have, it, it just sort of, there's this ledger of, like, if I w could go back in time and go, like, yo, 12-year-old Molly, you feel super out of place, and, like, there's no spot for you in this world, but check this out. <laughs> You're on a first-name basis with the robots. <laughs> like, Robot call includes you now. Um, it's... It, it, it's un it's unreal. It feels unreal. Mm -hmm. um, and also, my memory's not very good, so I'm not Fair sure. Enough. And you've given us a lot. Okay, so I, I know that I have. I just don't know if any of it's of substance. <laughs> um, do you feel good overall about this? Oh, this podcast yeah. or my, this career choice? Yeah, both. I guess both. I feel great about the this podcast. <laughs> yeah, this, this podcast was a great decision. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, at all moments, I never feel like what I have made is the right choice. I feel like, but I also feel like I have no employable skills anywhere else. But so far, it's turned out really well. Yeah. You know? Um, and people seem to agree that this was the right thing for me to have done. It seems like it has been. Yeah. And so, um, if I could just internalize that, then my problems would go away. <laughs> Isn't that the eternal question? <laughs> Isn't it? Uh, uh, where can people find you online, Molly? <laughs> Specifically. It feels like everywhere, but the, the best place to go uh, is mollylewis.wtf, because um, mollylewis.com was taken, and .wtf was available, so sort of equal. Um, Who's mollylewis.com? It's just somebody's CV. Um, oh. Yeah. Huh. But I, it's me and that gal from the Big Enough video. Like, we're competing for SEO right now, but... Um, <laughs> 
But mollywoods.wf is pretty up to date. Uh, you can search Toxic Ukulele on YouTube and I'll come up. And then the rest of my channel is also there. Um, mollylewis.bandcamp.com has my what it, what there is of my catalog um, and my current material. And there's also Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash molly. Um, and I, there's not a lot of stuff going out on a regular basis, but they get a lot of process stuff. Um, and they get a really active say in what... Because I, I don't know if you've gathered from this conversation, but I'm never really sure about my decisions. Uh, and so Patreon plays a big part in that. And they're very, Fans, what do you want? They're very sweet and patient. Hey, is this okay? Is this what you showed up for? Thank you for your $2. Um, I, I believe that's it. Cool. I, I believe that's what matters. Uh, and t- Twitter and Instagram, if that's your thing. Yeah. I'm on those as well. <laughs> <laughs> can you close us out with one last thing, please? Yes. Yes, absolutely I can. What is... What would be a good... What would be a good right now? I have, a, I, have a, I have a song about Wikipedia and a song about pumpkin spice lattes. I think the Wikipedia one okay. sounds like yeah, it's, 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 it's higher energy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. There we go. When I met you, I thought you were really smart. Even more so when we started going out It was your intellect that really won my heart There was just so much crap you knew so much about I was hungry for knowledge and I was single I didn't want to date, I really hadn't planned to But you were cool and you were smart and you were multilingual And I felt like I could really understand you But then But it isn't you, it's me I guess we just weren't meant to be I thought we were inseparable I thought you were my friend But looking back now, it all makes sense at the end You're sometimes vague and you're often inconsistent You've no opinions, you never take a stance so dispassionate you always sound so distant and I tell you you know zilch about romance and not once did you ever say you love me you sent no flowers you never called me honey and you always talked as if you were above me and it felt like you were always needing money sometimes you generalize spoil the ending but it isn't you it's me i need someone more scholarly i thought you had the answers but your smarts are all pretend and my attraction only makes sense at the end you just believe everything you're ever told you never question i'm pretty sure you don't fact check Someone puts ideas into your head You never blink, you immediately buy it I won't say that you have no integrity 
take a breather I never know if what you're saying's really true And frankly, sometimes I don't think that you know either You have no real facts, your knowledge is all hearsay And I'm tired of playing all your stupid games You don't keep pictures of me and you don't know my birthday I'm not sure if you even know my name You keep But I noticed there's no article for me. <clears throat> You're known by all the world. But we'll meet again one day, you wait and see. But it isn't you, it's me. I owe you no apology. I know not to judge my company just based upon its looks. I'm too grown up for your articles. It's time that I read books. Banjo loved that song. I know. It took, make, took a little solo in the middle there. He's making a lot of noise, <laughs> trying to sing along. He's got very strong feelings about Wikipedia. <laughs> That's it. We're done? We're done. Oh, yeah. great. Was that okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> no, we should well, do the whole thing over. Oh, man. Thing. Yeah, you need, to, you need to seek validation a little more subtly this time. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Living Room. This week, our guest was Molly Lewis, and you can find them online at mollylewis.wtf. The Living Room was created by Lucas Cathy and Karina Taylor, recorded by Masters Ashley, recorded by Hannah Mraz in her personal home, and also produced by her. She did everything today. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or whatever podcast app you prefer. If you have questions or would like to chat with us, email thelivingroompodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. Special thanks goes to Hannah's family for dealing with our noise. And of course, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>